Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. I pray that all is well. Um, And I pray that you are at peace. I may have told you uh, a story once about a contest uh, of children to paint. Their assignment was to paint peace, a picture of peace. And uh, many beautiful paintings came up. These were elementary school children, and, and they painted beautiful landscapes and uh, mountain scenes, beautiful scenes of nature, peace, really lovely. The one that won the prize was a picture of a raging storm on a beach. Dark clouds, thunder and lightning, winds, raging storm. And on the beach was a uh, kind of a sizable rock. And in the rock was a, there was a cleft in there. And it, it went kind of a deep hole in there and sizable. And inside the rock, all the way into the cleft of the rock, was this tiny little bird. And it was sitting there singing, tweet, tweet sweet, perfect peace in the midst of the storm. You see, it was safe. And that should be a picture of us. Perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And beloved, we are in the midst of the storm. And um, it is not going to get worse. It already has and will continue and will continue. And so uh, some of you may be getting tired of this, but... um, it may not. It may be that many of you have grown children out of the home, or you're single and you're not in school. But we need to be part of this. The future generation, our current generation, no more future generation. The current generation is being completely corrupted. This is a plan that has been in place for a hundred years to destroy the family, more than a hundred years, more, and the subtleties they set in place for change our country into a socialistic system, uh, which now pretty much all the Democrat candidates are vying for. Um, socialism, fascism, uh, control of everything, the dumbing down of our children in school, and changing the country through LBGT agenda, um, um, uh, gender ideology and all of that. It's terrible. And it used to be that a few children looked odd. Now, um, it's still the minority that would claim to be LBGT or transgender. However, the government bows to that minority and uh, is going to make your children, if they haven't already, uh, accept boys who want to be girls into the female bathroom and and the reverse it's it's upon us beloved um i started reading 
a an interview of two mothers in Rockland, California, whose children were subject in elementary school to I got to the point where it said I can't every day I, I say it to you, I can't stand saying it, of describing anal and oral sex and of showing their children how to do both and playing with sex toys, elementary school and high school. It is Twilight Zone. It's absolutely Twilight Zone. And I've been, um, I guess, promoting this, uh, I think, necessary book titled Get Out Now. Get your children out of the public schools now. And the subtitle is Why You Should Pull Your Child from Public School Before It's Too Late. When I got to the beginning explicit um, descriptions of the two mothers that were interviewed uh, having their children in elementary school, public school in California, I tell you what, it it was too much for me to read to you. I read it personally, but I, I got sick and I just couldn't bear to read it over the air. And some people would say it's inappropriate for you to read that over the air. Well, the fact is... Whoever sends their children to those schools, we can't stand a sentence, but they are subject to it eight hours a day or however many hours they're in school. We are sending our children not to the dogs, but to the devils. It is completely evil and demonic. And so I wanted to read through this book, but it would take us the rest of the year. So I'm not going to do that. But I'd like to read you just the table of contents and then some of the objections in the back with answers. Um, and so um, it's, it's part one. Let's see. Uh, three parts this book is in. And part one is titled The Game Changer. Um, the Gender Crusade. And chapter one, Redefining Normal. Chapter two, Schools. Preaching and Enforcing the LGBT Agenda. Again, your children in some places might be able to opt out for a time, but not for very long. And if they opt out, do you not think they'll be, that they will not be subject to ridicule and shame and, 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 and all of that, bullied and picked on? Chapter 3, Turning Teachers into Gender Evangelists. Um, part 2 which is subtitled More Trouble. Chapter 4, Losing Religion and Finding God with a little g in science. This is nothing new, beloved. I had it in my um, middle school uh, where the teachers uh, uh, really negated any parent who taught was still so backward and archaic is to be teaching their children about God. Um, and that was when I was in, in middle school, which is probably 100 years ago. I'd have to figure it out math-wise. Chapter 5, Cultivating Activists, Not Americans. Chapter 6, pow- The only way that we should cultivate our children to be activists is activists for Christ, for the kingdom, for the gospel, for salvation, for heaven. Chapter 6, Powerless Parents and Autonomous Kids. Mm-hmm. Parents, you're not powerless. The school will render you such. You must get your children out of public schools 
now, just like the title of this book says. You need to get them out now. You are not powerless. Chapter 7, Getting Inside Our Kids' Heads, Identity Politics, Safe Spaces, and Social-Emotional Learning. Chapter 8, that was Chapter 7, and so Chapter 8 is Fake Education, Failing Education. Chapter 9, You Cannot Fix These Problems. Not in your child's school's lifetime, anyway. You know, um, I'm thinking of California with its awful fires every year. Is there a way to fix it? I think the answer is yes. Um, and I, I've re, but it's incredible amount of time that it takes. I've seen the highways when I lived there replanted. Uh, with um, with with succulent or desert sort of um, uh, leaves, I forget the the name of them, but they replant the entire grass with with um, those that hold water, like a jade bush or um, I forget what it is, but they they replant the landscape and it's not subject to fire. Um, it doesn't dry out. It doesn't depend upon getting watered or rain. So that is in part what can be done, but not in our lifetimes. So if you see someone in the grass and the grass is burning up, you don't try to fix the problem. You've got to get them out of the grass so they don't burn up, and then you can be part of the solution for helping it. But at the moment, you've got to get your child out of the fire. Part three of this book is Thinking It Over, and it's questions and answers. And there's a hundred page of, pages of notes and just about every question that children, that parents, never mind children, that parents ask of trying to understand how serious it is and if this is not just uh, a false alarm or some people's overreaction. And so let me read you at least the objections in their appendix, and the answers they give. Uh, Number one, why should I worry about this? I went to public school and I'm fine. My kids will be too. Well, I think we've already answered that, but let me answer, let me read what they've written is the answer. The authors say, if you're like most Americans, you attended public schools, you emerged with a strong connection to the community, received a good education, and made lifelong friends who shared your values and faith. But times have changed, and the progressive left has turned our public school system into a cultural battleground. Is it still possible to emerge from public school with your values, faith, and morals intact. Yes, it's possible, but the more important question is, is it likely? Parents who keep their kids in public schools are subjecting them to unrelenting indoctrination. It's hard enough to be the only adult in the room who believes in God or hasn't brought into transit... um, or hasn't bought into transgender mythology. It's infinitely harder 
to be the only teenager. But now, uh, this book was written two years ago, they're teaching gender uh, ideology in kindergarten now. Um, I go on with the book here. It's crucial to realize how much has changed. We've documented the increasing alignment of public school curricula with the values of the progressive left, the hostility to parents, and the shift from local control with the federal government, unions, and activists setting the agenda. Gender ideology's conquest of the public schools makes it impossible to deny that the education provided by the state is, in fact, indoctrination. The gender activists make no bones about it. Even if your child's even if your child is mature enough to recognize indoctrination and resist it, you must still consider what he is missing in his education. Your son or daughter has only one childhood. Hours open, um, hours spent, rather, reading um, Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States are hours not spent studying the heroes of American history. Years spent marinating in practical atheism are years not spent receiving a rich formation in virtue. You know, some, sometimes I just thought of something quite mild here. People will urge me to see a particular film, a movie. We don't go to movies very often. Uh, we hardly see one a year. It would have to be a reason, such as the movie Unplanned. We went to see that. We knew what it was about. We weren't going to see it, but we we were so urged to see it. We did, and no matter what you think the movie's about, you're right. But seeing it is another matter. You've got if you have not seen Unplanned, if you have a uh, teenage child, if you. Uh, have friends who are pro-choice, whatever it is, uh, let that be your giving. Rather than giving to another apostolate that week, make your giving taking them to that film. Everyone should see it. Okay, now. Um, So I think I started to say when sometimes people urge us to um, see certain films, and they say there's nothing R-rated in there. There's no um, sexual display. There's no nothing bad. It's a good film. But my question is, why should I see it? Why should I spend my time on that? It might be a quote-unquote good film, but, it, but does it lead my heart to Christ? It doesn't have to speak of Christ to lead my heart to Christ, but it needs to do that. It needs to lead my heart to God. And if it doesn't, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time. If I don't come out loving God more, focused on him more from any film, and again, it doesn't have to be a Catholic film, then I don't want to spend time with it. Here is a similar idea, sending your children to, to school. Um, the history books are already rewritten to deny American history, to deny the faith of our fathers, all of that. They're already rewritten, which is what the authors just uh, pointed out. 
And if you say that it's not particularly immoral, the question is, what are they getting? Are they being formed? They spend more hours in school than they do with you awake. And you're turning them over to a mindless uh, atheistic system. I shouldn't say mindless because the devil is not mindless. Here's another objection. I cannot shelter my kids from the world, so shouldn't I let their light shine? I'm going to send my child to a Catholic school to be a witness. Now, here, here is the answer of the authors. I have to refrain from giving you my answers or I'll never read theirs. No one wants to shelter his children if that means keeping them cooped up and unable to explore. Children should be able to stretch, grow, and explore in an environment that respects and supports their family's faith and values. As they mature, they will gain the strength and wisdom to hold on to their values in college and at work and to help their peers do the same. That said, the impulse to shelter children is perfectly normal. Uh, Most parents try to shelter their children from the darker side of the Internet, for example. But it makes no sense to shield your children from harmful messages online and then expose them to the same messages in school simply because these messages have been attractively packaged and bear the government's seal of approval. I tell you what, if I see a government seal of approval on anything, I would not trust it. I would examine it before I would let it be read or used or anything else. They say, as the commentator, they meaning the authors who are um, just fantastic, Mary Rice Hassan, H-A-S-S-O-N, and Teresa Farnan, F-A-R-N-A-N. These are intelligent, magnificent women. Um, And they say, as the commentator Matt Walsh makes clear, sheltering your children is not a sentimental reaction, but a cold-headed response to the facts. Now, there's a more direct comment. Here's what he writes. Yes, my kids will eventually be exposed to all kinds of strange and terrible things. As much as I'd like to keep them shielded from the evils of the world forever, I know that I can do no such thing. The question is not whether our kids will be exposed to this or that depravity, but when and how and in what context. Are you prepared to trust the school's judgment um, on when Junior is ready to learn about concepts like transgender transgenderism? Do you trust your judgment on how he learns about it? And, sorry, do you trust their judgment on how he learns about it and what he's told about it? Because you can be sure, beloved, this is my comment here, that he's going to be learning about transgenderism as a normal, not just acceptable, but normal lifestyle that every child has a right to. That's what they'll be learning. 
the authors of this book go on to say opting out of the public schools is not getting into a defensive crouch. If the purpose of education is to give your children the moral and intellectual tools to navigate adulthood, why would you expose them prematurely to adult problems in a system that fails to equip them with the spiritual, moral, and emotional tools they need for life's journey. You see, if you, beloved, teach your own children about transgenderism, what's going on in the world, um, you can teach them within the context of your faith and in the context of God's design. And they'll get a, um, they'll get God's view of these distortions, these sins, not the enemy's view of his plan to destroy the family. Here's another, the third question. My child attends Sunday school and other youth activities at my church. Isn't that enough to keep him grounded in our beliefs? Oh my goodness. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what these authors. I'm chomping at the bit. I'm I'm like a little horse uh, waiting to be let out of the gate on these questions, but I won't I won't give in to that temptation. I'll read you their answers. I might give in at the end if they if I think of something they haven't said. Here again is the question: My child attends Sunday school and other youth activities at my church. Isn't that enough to keep him grounded? In our beliefs? And the answer is this most likely, no. The numbers speak for themselves. Your child spends at least 35 hours a week at school, very few religious education programs come close to that level of influence, maybe two hours a week plus Sunday worship. As kids get older, they spend fewer waking hours with their families and more, nearly all, at school or with their friends. Families who are concerned about keeping their kids close to their faith are at a serious disadvantage during the teen years because of all the hours spent in an environment of practical atheism. These numbers do not tell the whole story, however. Working and Uh, litigating with missionary zeal, secularists have uprooted every hint of Christianity in the public school. Did you hear that? Secularists have uprooted every hint of Christianity in the public schools. Now, if that doesn't happen in your public school, wait a few months and it will. And as the dwindling religious practice of the millennial generation attests, Years spent in an environment of practical atheism have an effect. You know, beloved, um, when I went, here I go, I walked two miles to school in the ice when I went to public school, but it's true. When I went to public school, they had the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag every single morning, and, um, and they had a time where the scripture, it was in New York, so it was Old Testament scripture, not new, um, it wasn't a Jewish school, but half the schools were Jewish, half the public schools, um, and closed on all the Jewish holy days. Um, but there was a time when scripture was read over the intercom that filtered into every class. This was part of it. Part of it. 
um, in a fr- and at Christmas there was a major holidays Easter there were school assemblies and uh, they were Christian holidays so uh, everyone participated as they were able but they didn't have an equal um, holiday for non-Christian religions there was no reason for that there was no pressure for that that um, didn't make sense actually. Um, I'll continue here. In a frank response to the argument that Sunday school and a weeknight youth group can overcome the state-sponsored atheism of your child's public school, Matt Walsh writes this, We cannot compartmentalize the spiritual part of their upbringing, reserve it for evenings and weekends, and allow the the lion's share of their educational experience to be dominated by humanism, hedonism, and godlessness. Education is not supposed to work that way, and it does not really work at all that way, as we've seen. Or, if it does work, it is only in cases where the child possesses an almost superhuman level of maturity, intelligence, and moral courage, And maybe some children really are superhuman in that way, but most of them are not. Yours probably are not, and you probably are not. Beloved, there is the music for our first break, and we will continue this tomorrow. Um, But at the moment, please feel free to call in with anything on your heart, uh, even about what we're reading, but it doesn't need to be about what we're reading uh, call in toll-free or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. St. Andre Bessette said, It is with the smallest brushes that the artist paints the most exquisitely beautiful pictures. Placing a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car may seem like a very small act of evangelization, but lives are changed and hearts are converted by our Lord when drivers tune in. Request your free Catholic radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam, and we have an entire half hour together for your calls or texts or questions, uh, emails, and um, you can call in toll-free with anything on your heart. Again, it does not never need to be what we're speaking of, um, but the issue is your heart. And the toll-free number to call or text is one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We're going to take an email from Chris who writes, Dear Mother, I have followed your work off and on for a few years now. I teach in a fairly Catholic school better than most here in southern Arizona. That's a little fairly Catholic school. I'm guessing you mean a Catholic school that is fairly Catholic. Um, If someone follows the curriculum guidelines or standards for Common Core, that's the government program um, that I mentioned the other day, was designed to destroy uh, our child's understanding of God and America and everything else, to dumb down our children. It's an awful program. No Catholic, no school should have it, period, but certainly not a Catholic school. And so Chris says, if someone follows the curriculum guidelines slash standards for Common Core and can connect the dots, this existential change in perception and thinking was built in to Common Core from the inception but it was to happen incrementally. It is pernicious and stealthy. Our mu- um, I think there's a word missing. I, I think he means to say school. Our school, much to my chagrin, adopted Common Core book, Line and Sinker. Um, there were a lot of federal dollars doled out to those who adopted these standards. There were, um, when we wrote to the diocesan office of Catholic education about the parents, not rights, but duties to be the first educators of their own children, the superintendent shot back a tierce response, quote, so where does the church say that? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. End quote. It was then that I was fairly certain that we were in trouble. After the policy shift in treating gender dysphoria as a right and support of human dignity, we were instructed through a mouthpiece from the bishop's office that if a boy in second grade wishes to make his first Holy Communion dressed in a small-sized bride's dress and veil, and high heels, that we are to do everything to accommodate this. And he says, which in my opinion, 
says validate this state of the affairs. I tell you what, um, Chris, I, I, I am shocked that I can still be shocked. This bishop shouldn't be a priest, let alone a bishop. Uh, and it's in southern Arizona, and it's better than most. Oh, my goodness. How awful. I tell you what, no Catholic teacher or principal or part of the school or or diocese should allow it, uh, regardless of what the bishop says. This is evil. This is evil and against God's teaching. Chris says, I have been in Catholic education now for over 25 years and have seen, thanks be to God, a more rigorous religion program. I also am dismayed that the first reconciliation and first Eucharist focus on being a family as an extension of baptism as initiation. With some of this background, from my point of view, boots in the trenches and on the ground, I will add this to the book that I've been talking about, Get Out Now, and that in some ways your advice to homeschool at any price is still the best advice because in the last several years, lawsuits <clears throat> have been have made it possible with financial incentives to admit more special needs children, and special needs has a very broad definition. In this mix also comes parents who are taking their children out of public school, as the book suggests, and placing them with our student population. If a child has tuberculosis, he would not be admitted because he would be a health risk. But taking in more of these students from public sector, the public sector, and sadly from other Catholic schools, has the effect also of contaminating the attitudes and perceptions of our own students. We can be concerned about what happens in the classroom as far as teacher-directed instruction goes, but the moral and emotional development of these students happens through most of their social interactions. Chris, I'm telling you, I'm trying to warn people uh, to get their children out of public school now and giving them as much information as I feel I can bear to give over the air uh, and saying what I can't bear to give your children are exposed to and you're exposing them. I'm trying to... I'm not even trying to paint a picture that's worse than what I'm reading. But here is a father who, uh, in a Catholic, so-called Catholic school, who is saying that the bishop himself has said that if a little boy wants to be a girl, when he receives First Communion and wants to dress in a little bride's dress with a veil, as the girls do, then this is acceptable. You can do that. Oh, no, you can't. No parent should allow it. No teacher should allow it. What should a teacher do? You leave the school, you stay, and say you won't do it. But if you get fired, you get fired, rather than corrupt children. Um, let me just see where I left off here with Chris's long but very good and instructive and unfortunately validating email. Um, and he says... Uh, we, uh, let me just read the beginning of that last sentence. 
that I was reading, we can be concerned about what happens in the classroom as far as teacher-directed instruction goes, but the moral and emotional development of these students happens through most of their social interactions, whether at school and especially in sleepover and other gatherings of students outside the campus. This is an aspect often overlooked by most of the stakeholders, families, and faculty, and staff alike. I bless you for this email, Chris. There's the music for our second break, beloved. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. How do you handle this as a parent? What do you do? Anything at all, give a call or anything else on your heart. Toll free, one 877 5483 or email at mother at com. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. If you love listening to Catholic Radio, consider donating in support of our evangelization efforts. There are a variety of ways our listeners give, and transferring stock is one of the most effective. Through transfers of stock, countless listeners are able to give more than they could as cash, credit card, or EFT. Many people donate to charities by gifting stock. There are even substantial tax benefits for donating stock to a charity such as ours. Would you like to learn more about the possibility of gifting stock to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network? Please call us at 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. You can also visit us online at thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio. May God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved 
to uh, Mother Miriam. I always say heart to heart with Mother Miriam. This has been heart to heart with Mother Miriam for many years, and it's the same program, but the name has changed uh, to Mother Miriam Live so that we can go live stream and come to you through the Station of the Cross, Live Site News, They're both their Facebook pages and so forth. So we're delighted. Um, and so I've been reading an email from Chris. Uh, I'm going to just finish this email before I take your calls. It's our last segment, so feel free to call in at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and you can text at that number, or you may email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We are almost um, uh, uh, to the end of this most outstanding email from Chris. Um, and so um, let me let me go on to say Chris has been talking about we've been reading it before the break the utter horrors of the school that he's in which is a so-called Catholic school. At, <clears throat> excuse me, hold on. In southern Arizona, which he says is better than most. This is this is a a nightmare. This is Twilight Zone, like watching a horror movie. And the bishop has said that if a little boy wants to, they, they have the core program, which is uh, which will destroy your children, uh, the government program. And uh, they wrote to the bishop about a problem with communion and uh, first communion. And uh, uh, he's, uh, the bishop said, if if a little boy wants to be a girl and come to the communion rail. What am I saying? Rail, such fantasy, huh? Come to communion, first communion, with um, wearing a little bride's dress and veil and all that. It's okay. Again, I have no idea who that bishop is, but he should not be a bishop. He should not be a priest. He is not. He should not be Catholic. He's not Catholic. He's not Catholic, and that is not a Catholic school. It bears the title and disgraces the name of. Catholicism by bearing that title and teaching against it. Chris goes on to say, we have some of our students, I I read this uh, further down during the break, and I want you to listen to Chris. He is fantastic. And I agree with you, Chris, 100%. I wish there were more like you. Um, Chris says, we have some of our students leaving to attend a classically based Protestant Christian school for the pedagogy, the curriculum, and the fellowship. That is the teaching, the the methods of teaching, the curriculum, and the fellowship. This school has chapel daily that is led by students. My experience also has borne out my suspicion that although the academics may be equal or even better, many parents feel that they can coast in their responsibility to raise the child in faith. The parents may take them to Mass, enroll them in religious ed, and even have leadership roles in their parishes. However, it is the peer relationships, P-E-E-R, the peer relationships, by and large, that form the child. These children, for the most part, emerge from this environment better able to think and perhaps better in inoculated against the culture of death at the expense of the death of their belief in the Catholic Church, and I would add, if they ever truly had it. 
they become very good Protestants in rebellion against the church, and they don't know they have not really, um, against the church they have, uh, they don't know and haven't really experienced. And Chris says, so I just offer my own insights, frustrations, and concerns. Being on the ground floor, Catholic schools are not the safe haven that many think that they might be. If the battle is over the family, then it is the family that needs to circle the wagons as pioneers in building a more Catholic culture where they can thrive and flourish. I just happened to be home today and caught your podcast. I hope that you will let your listeners know that there are other things going on in Catholic schools and factors uh, they may wish to consider that are not academic in nature. God bless you for all that you do and for your yes when I have time. Um, when I have time, I have read some of your work on typology and I'm always enriched, more zealous. Uh, as a result, with many prayers in Our Lady and Queen on your behalf. Chris, I'd like to frame your email and your heart. God bless you. You need to, you need to multiply yourself. This is absolutely, every word Chris says, beloved, is true. It's not his opinion. This is fact. You need to get your children out of the public schools. And if you're sending them to a Catholic school, such as Chris has described, you need to get them out of there too. And not if you send them to a Protestant school, I, I agree that Protestant schools are going to teach your children uh, Christianity and morals and all of that, but they will be Protestant. And you say, well, isn't it better for them to be Protestant than to be a corrupted Catholic? Absolutely not. It is better for them to be Catholic. There is one church that our Lord established, and one Lord, and one baptism, and one faith, and one way to heaven. And you, as a loving parent, would take them out of that way and put them with a Protestant church, which has got its name because they were Protestants, and... Uh, give and and send them away from all that no uh, you would be you will be accountable for, before god and no matter what religious ed you give your children um no matter what you teach them they will be protestant i promise you that it's been proven over and over again okay we have a call from krista in massachusetts are you there krista hi yes um my niece, actually goddaughter, uh, just got engaged to a Jewish man, and I'm not sure if uh, I should be speaking to her about anything about this. I mean, because I know there can be conflicts. Um, I, I don't know. I was just wondering your, your opinion. If your goddaughter was about to jump off a cliff and kill herself, but she thought she could fly. Um, would you hesitate on saying something? No. Why? Because I, I know it could be because she could kill herself. So. Right. I heard it. And what's more important, to kill the body or kill the soul? No, I, 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 answer, I that's what my, that's what my concern is. Like, I don't know what, how, how to... Uh, if you are her goddaughter, Krista, 
you have you have made a vow to yes. teach her the faith, to walk with her in the faith. If you turn from that, you're breaking your promise. You're breaking your vow as a godparent. I just don't know how what what how I to do it. Yeah. Well, um, it, how do her parents respond? Uh, they seem okay with it. I'm I'm sorry about that. Are her parents Catholic? Uh, yes, her her mother is Catholic, and uh, that might be something in the back of her mind that you know. But I don't think is it's her dad Jewish. An issue? No. Uh, was she raised Catholic? Uh, she was, but uh, during times of her teenage, she's kind of stopped practicing. No, she still, yes, believes in God, Jesus, and loves him, but doesn't really practice. Well, she doesn't love him. She may believe in him, but you, you can't. You can't love him. Well, if she's really an unbeliever, um, and uh, the Jewish man is he Jewish in practice or just in name? Has he become another religion? Do you know? Well, he. I guess he. He probably still considers himself Jewish, but uh, from what I heard, of his mother, cultural. He doesn't really practice it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be able to do anything about their engagement um, because neither of them, the goddaughter is not Catholic. She doesn't believe in it. And um, uh, the Jewish man is a sounds like a cultural Jew. Um, your goddaughter may be somewhat of a cultural Catholic, but she's not Catholic. And so um, it, I, I think... Uh, you should support them, because otherwise you've got to spend years trying to ask God to convert her and to convert him and all. They, they're two unbelievers really getting married. And so um, you're their godmother. I think you should speak with her uh, privately, and you should tell her that she's been baptized Catholic, and she has a responsibility before God to know what it is to be Catholic and to marry a Catholic man and raise her children Catholic. You can tell her that and say, so um, I can't rejoice in your engagement, um, but I can say, I'll be with you, I'll be at your wedding, and the two of you, um, well, I don't know that you'll be at her wedding, this is a rough thing, Uh, but you could say to her, I'll continue to support you, um, and if you allow me, show both of you why Catholicism is the fulfillment of Judaism, and maybe you could bring them both into the church. Would you have any recommendation of any book, possibly? Yes, for... yes, yes. Salvation is from the Jews. Oh, yes, I've seen that. All right, yes. That's one, and the other book by Roy Shulman is 16 Jews who have entered the church believing it's the fulfillment of Judaism, not the, its rejection. I think the subtitle is uh, 16 Jews who have found the sweetness of Christ, something like that. My story and my brother's story are two of those 16. All right, 16 Jews who have found the sweetness, is that what you said? Yeah, something like that, but the title is Honey from the Rock. That's what you want to oh, look for. Oh, Honey from the Rock. Yeah, okay. the same author as Salvation is from the Jews, both of them written by Roy Shoman, who is an Orthodox Jew and now uh, Catholic. 
um, Jewish Catholic. He hasn't left his Judaism. He's entered into the full promise of Judaism through the Messiah. So, um, Krista, speak honestly to your goddaughter. Say, you know, it, it, it's deeply grievous to me that you don't know and love your Catholic faith and are not practicing. If you were, you would not marry a non-Catholic. Um, and uh, apparently, you know, your, your husband-to-be uh, is not as deep in his faith. So I'm going to pray for you and wish you well and um, actually beg you to read these books together. And, uh, you know, let me help you in any way I can. That's what I would say. All right. Thank you, Mother. Okay. God bless you, Krista. We have a call from Nellie in Ottawa, Canada. Hello, Nellie. Hello. Good morning, Mother. Hello, dear. Good morning in Canada, I think. <laughs> I don't know on your end. but No, uh, I think was... uh, it's still morning. Yes. Go ahead, sweetie. We have <laughs> um, about a minute mother... and a half. Okay. I was uh, saying to the producer, I have uh, two nephews that were brought up in uh, the Catholic teachings, right? Uh, private Catholic teachings. However, one the... was homeschooled till grade eight and nine uh, by her mother, because uh, by his mother, rather does not believe in this uh, teachings of the school. But somehow she decided uh, at grade nine, it's a new uh, Catholic school that do not have all these agendas of homosexuals and all these queer things that they, they infiltrate and pollute people's mind with. Um, and I, I was very sticking by that. I was disappointed. And I'm telling her of whether they tell you blatantly or indirectly, they would t- still teach some of this you know, and uh, like I have quite great influence on my nephew, and I'm praying that he would go into the priesthood. Well, now, just but a minute, just a minute, Nellie, hold where? on, because we only have a minute. Hold on, Nellie. Um, there are good people right here in Tulsa who have started a very good Catholic school, um, incorporating great books and other things, and they are not teaching anything that is not Catholic. And there's nothing wrong. I would encourage children to go there. Um, so if there's a very good new Catholic school that would begin at grade nine, and that's validated, why would you object to that? Well, because it brings, it's about nine years old, the school. And with the government uh, in Canada, maybe different mother than in the States. Um, it, it is like here, it seems like it has become mandatory. <laughs> Whether Catholic or non. What's uh, mandatory? So really uh, Nellie, tell you what, sweetheart. I'm not clearly understanding what is mandatory. I thought you said it was a Catholic school. It's not a Catholic school? Yes. It it's is a, a Catholic school. Okay. Nellie, sweetheart, we have 10 seconds left. I'm so sorry. If you can call in, uh, oh, it's Friday. I'm sorry, sweetheart. If you could call in on Monday, um, we could spend longer time on this. I apologize, Nellie. Uh, And I wish you all a good weekend. God bless you.